So probably 2008, maybe I had a quadruple bypass surgery. I felt weird. Didn't feel any pain. I just, I felt weird. And at the time I asked my wife, I asked my wife at that time is what I'm trying to say. Take me to the doctor because I, 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 I don't think I'm going to be able to go into work. And I know they're going to ask me for a doctor's note. Uh, so take me to the ER. And so she took me to the ER. It was late. It was in the evening already. And <clears throat> the doctor came back and said, hey, you need to call your mother or your loved ones and let them know that you're going to you're going to have a you're going into open heart surgery tomorrow morning at seven o'clock. Oh, yeah. And I was like, let me tell you, it doesn't make sense to you when you hear that. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't even equate. You just you hear it. But it, by the time it sinks in, wow. the doctor's not even in front of you anymore. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up, everybody? Thanks for stopping by the show. This is your first time listening. Welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us today. Today is November 18th, and I am up crab fishing. Lucky for me, when I take my trailer anywhere, my studio comes with me automatically. So I'm still able to record and... uh you know, do interviews and stuff. I just did one yesterday morning before we went out on the water. Well, didn't get a whole lot done yesterday because the weather up here, it started raining and uh, it was pretty windy. So with the swell and the wind chop, it uh, was pretty pretty gnarly out there when we tried twice, once in the morning and once in the afternoon and uh, no bueno, no crabs yesterday, but we got our limit the day before. So uh, that's good. Uh, I'll be up here until, uh, the 22nd. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll do all right. Last year was a pretty good year for us. Uh, the year before was okay. So I'm, I'm not sure what the, this year is going to bring. Uh, one correction I need to make is in the last episode, I, uh, had put that Andrew Turner was in the air force. Well, Andrew was not in the Air Force. Andrew was in the Army. And uh, I apologize for that mistake, Mr. Turner. Um, I should have uh, should have proofread a little bit better. That's all right. Now I know. Need to proofread better. Uh, let's see. What else do we got here? Uh, IndiePod United Virtual Summit. That's coming up next week, I believe, or the following week. Uh, the 29th through December 3rd, and I will be moderating that event. So, uh, yeah, check it out, IndiePodUnited.com for all the information. Uh, 
If you're getting value out of this show, how about you return some? If uh, you can't afford to support the show monetarily, uh, there's always, um, you know, you can subscribe to the show. You can rate the show on iTunes or you can review it on iTunes. All of those things help to boost the show and make it more visible. <clears throat> and it doesn't cost you anything except for a couple of minutes of your time. Uh, if you can help support the show monetarily, that's even better, you know, cause I'm pretty much paying for all this myself. I mean, I've had a couple of ad spots, but, uh, you know, for the majority of what I do, I pay for myself and, uh, it'd be nice to be able to start getting some support. So, you know, I could do more with the show, you know, take it, take it further and make it bigger. Uh, so anything will help, uh, share it with a family, family member or friend or anybody that you're out there that you think would, uh, benefit from hearing the show. All of those things help. Um, I have merchandise. You can buy merchandise from my, uh, storefront that also helps to support the show as well. And you can get some cool stuff to wear. And that's actually good advertisement because people see on the hoodie or the t-shirt, the nowhere to go, but up podcast. And they'll go, Oh wow. What's that? And you can say, that's that awesome show that I've been telling you about the nowhere to go, but up podcast. You should check it out. See, it's as simple as that. Anyways, uh, today's episode is with, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Joe Martinez, and he has a story quite, quite similar to mine. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of in my wheelhouse, uh, I, I guess you would say. And, uh, it's a good story. And actually Joe has, uh, he's the one that introduced me to all of the things when I talk about the uh, Northern district of Texas and all of those conspiracy cases, Joe is the one that, uh, turned me on to those guys or to those, uh, those inmates, um, or incarcerated individuals that got railroaded, uh, by that judge, John McBride out of the Northern district of Texas. So you can actually go to his podcast, which is talk from the cell block. And he has interviewed a bunch of them as well. And so he's kind of the first one to do it. And I still have, I did one with Melissa Veach and I've got 10 more that I've, I've recorded the actual, uh, uh, incarcerated individuals. I, I'm just need to get around to getting to their family members so I can finish them up. So, uh, it's, I'm not moving as fast on that as I'd like to be, but I've got a lot going on. So. I will get to it at some point. And I think that's about it. So let's get to the show. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today I'm talking to, actually it's this evening, I'm talking to uh, Joe Martinez. And uh, Joe reached out to me on one of the posts that I put out there for Bottoms and Life Struggles. And... Uh, this man is uh, right in my wheelhouse of, of people that I'm trying to reach. And I mean, I'm trying to reach everybody, but uh, as far as like, uh, you know, ex-offenders and people that have, uh, you know, kind of like uh, felonious, 
uh, pasts like myself, uh, you know, these are the people that I really started this podcast for was to reach them and let them know that, uh, you know, hey, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Don't let it be your conclusion. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing good, man. How are you? It's been a long one. All right. But I don't have a cap. So, I mean, if it goes over, it goes over. That sounds good to me, man. So uh, what, I mean, you've been uh, following me a little bit on, uh, on, on my social media. Thank you for the, for the, the shout out today, uh, on that post, uh, what, whatever, uh, group that is, I'm a part of so many of them. I get confused too. <laughs> uh, so tell me, I mean, you got your own podcast, right? You started, uh, you started one yourself. I have a, I have a podcast that I, I currently work on right now and it's, it, it, it chronicles my, my, my life's timeline. Um, the first few episodes, of course, it, it touches on probably about midlife, maybe. And then, uh, or just right before midlife where I'm at right now. And then uh, after those, I, I get in with my elementary school days. And then from there, it just it's gonna, it'll, it should take off. Yeah, I, I listened to uh, one episode and I, I kind of liked how you did it because it was like you were telling, you were telling the story of you and, and like your homies. And it was like, like, it was almost like as if you were, you grew up with these guys and, uh, you're kind of like, okay, well, this is a situation. And then, you know, me and homeboy, we did this and we did that. And this is where he ended up. And you know what I mean? And, and, and like, I, I, I didn't get to finish it, but I was, I want to finish it because it's like, you're, you're telling a story and I don't know if, you know, maybe these guys, any of them passed away or, or got killed or, or, you know what I mean? Just because in that lifestyle, your, your, your criminality was a lot different than mine. Like I, I've never experienced uh gang life. Uh, I've gotten jumped by gang members, but never, you know what I mean? Uh, it was just never into that. You know, if I'm fighting for dollar, if I'm fighting for, for, uh, you know, a number, it's got to have a dollar side in front of it for me. You know, yeah. So I mean, was that is that kind of kind of sum up what it does? It, it uh, there's actually a couple of episodes there that I start off with, and you're absolutely right. The the lifestyle that I was living, it ended up with with three of some of two very close friends being or in, winding up dead, and then the third one also murdered. The only thing is I didn't know I didn't get to know him as well because when he moved in onto the block, he was he was older, so he hung out with the older crowd and and I just hung out with his younger brother, but we knew each other. I just didn't get to build that bond that, that I was able to build with my other two that lost their lives to the street. So yeah, I mean this is a good way to, a good segue to go into uh your your life and your situation. So tell me, tell me a little bit about you and, and what you went through. Uh it sounds like you've got, you know, quite a few stories. I've got a lot, man. Uh, I I grew up in a broken home, really, to be honest. I mean, I, I can start from there. Uh, my mother had it really rough. She raised pretty much five of us on her own. She was married three times and divorced three times. And each one of those marriages produced children. Uh, the last marriage producing my baby brother lasted the longest for her. And that was probably the best marriage for her. But... Uh, before my little brother came along, <clears throat> I was really under no supervision. We were latchkey kids. 
we we went to school. We came home. There was snacks on the table, <laughs> no supervision, and and the the street that I grew up on literally was about probably seventy kids, seventy kids in the same age group that lived on this street, and it's not a, a quarter mile street. It's probably it's less than that. There's a lot of kids, a lot of devious activity going on while our parents are at work or while our, our single parent is at work. And so we grew up together. You were absolutely right when you uh, made mention to that earlier. We grew up together, and I'm still friends with the same group of guys to this day, and it's been well over 42 years. Yeah, so it sound, to me it sounds like when – I don't know, man. I'm picturing what, – what, where area did you grow up in? Uh, the South, South Texas, San Antonio, okay, to be so exact. When you when you are, are describing that, you ever seen the movie The Woods? Or the the remember that with them uh, friends that grew up in uh, in L.A. and the the uh, the brothers, um, and it's called the Wood, or I don't know, but it's the same thing. Man, these guys had you know known each other since they were you know in elementary school, and mm-hmm. stayed friends throughout their whole life. Like I, I, I don't know what that's like, man, because I mean the people that I grew up with in high school, or, or you know, I don't even talk to any of them anymore. You know, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know where they are. I mean, I could get them on Facebook, but I mean, it's worth, so removed from each other's lives that it would be like kind of like, you know, it'd be like weird. Yeah, we we uh, we are still friends. A lot of us, some of this is funny. I always think about it. Some of us, some of them, some of their wives don't like the idea that we still kind of interact because they know the lifestyle that we lived. They know all the horror stories from the street that we grew up on. It, it was, it was the wild, wild West. I mean, it was, there was a, at least a drive by every two nights. And sometimes it was two or three drive bys on those nights. And, and uh, a lot of people's parents were terrorized. So it brings back bad memories for them. And I guess they've told the stories to my friends' spouses and they're like, now they're living they're doing well. My friends are doing well. I'm probably the one that, because I spent time in prison. I spent it, a, a lot of time in and out, in and out of jail. I uh, did a, a small prison uh, sentence and it, it hinders you. It, it hinders you. It, it really does. Talk about that. Well, uh, okay. I, I'll tell you one, one of the, and, and I, I take pride in a lot of the stories that I have to tell because I've, I lived them and to other people, they, they may be like, it might be mesmerizing to them. To others, it might be, you know, just a shrug of the shoulder. But uh, the, the one that got me in deep trouble was uh, we broke into a liquor store. Uh, there's a, there, some people can't differentiate. But we broke into a liquor store. It was probably about 2 in the morning. And breaking into a liquor store and robbing a liquor store are two totally different things. So... I broke it. We broke into a liquor store that was probably about five of us. And uh, we basically smashed the front window pane, grabbed as much liquor as we can get. I ended up, I got greedy, went in for one more case. And on my way back out of the store, I sliced my, my leg wide open. Oh. They ended up having to take me to the hospital. And from there, it just escalated. The detectives were waiting for me there. They had already pulled skin samples off the glass at the liquor store. They pulled uh, blood, gauze, and tissue out of the 
trash cans at the hospital, and then they matched the DNA. So I was their man. But it didn't catch up to me for for a year. And my life, it's just a continuous saga. It just it was never ending at, at, at this point in my life. I ended up throwing a party a year later, and something happened. The cops got called, called out, and they show up at 5 o'clock in the morning. By this time, I had already ran everybody off because I already knew the cops would be there, and if they were going to show up, if I just remembered to not answer the door, I might have been okay. But I was so wasted. I was so drunk. And this was even before drug use, like like big-time drug use. And um, they came knocking on the door. I ended up opening the door, and then it was a full-on brawl, me and seven cops. And they, they subdued me, took me in. Long story short, when they were going to release me for those charges, because they dropped everything, they just they dropped miraculously, they dropped every single charge. They backpedaled. And said, hey, we got a warrant for your arrest. And I was like, well, it's probably a speeding ticket or something. Well, it wasn't a speeding ticket. It was, it dated back a year prior to the liquor store. Mm. And when I went to court for that, that's what got me a 20-year sentence. 20, man. Just for, just. First time offender. First time offender. They gave me a 20-year sentence. Were you, uh, were you already labeled as a, a, a gang member or an associate? Uh. Or, or No. Or were you were you ever a gang member, or did you just hang out with with homies? I think we don't like to say that we were gang members per se, more than we were really brothers, street brothers, because we grew up together. This wasn't something that you were initiated into. It just it progressed, and we always were together, and we built a reputation for ourselves. Yeah, that's a lot different. That's not the same thing as uh, being a gang member at all. Um, you know, cause you, you grow up with people and you know, you got homies and, and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy, man. Um, so, you know, you go to, you go to prison. All right. So, I mean, first of all, I mean, you, you had no, you probably have a similar story to me in a lot of ways because of, of just the way that you were raised, you, you know, single mother, uh, you know, no supervision, latchkey kid, you know, you're getting into trouble, you're figuring out how to do things, you're learning. I don't know. I got involved in drugs really young. So, and, and I didn't, and I grew up in a nice neighborhood, you know, it's like, I didn't, it, it wasn't like I was living in a hood or anything. I was, I, I would go and hang out in the hood, you know, and, and then come back up to the hills. And, uh, you know, it's just, I was just always into shit and I couldn't, and I just always had to be a part of it. Like even when I, even, even after that, you know, so like what your situation, like is the same thing like that. You're just, you're just into all kinds of shit. And finally you just end up getting in trouble and, uh, you know, they, they, they shoot you 20. What do you, how, how much time did you actually have to do on a, on a 20? Well, on that 20 year sentence, um, I spent a long time in County jail waiting to catch the chain. Uh, I, I have to be. I have to shed a little bit of light and elaborate a little bit on the sentence because at that time they were introducing to you. And a lot of people have heard of boot camp. Mm. And in Texas, when it was first introduced, it was called uh, shock probation. And, and so they, they gave me uh, shock probation and I didn't know what I was walking into. Anyway, it, it was my first time being sent away from home. I was still scared. I mean, you're still going to a prison farm where there's, all types of everything that you see on, on TV, 
uh, and movies, it, it was there. I, I was I was in it and I was scared. Um, but to catch the chain to get sent there, I spent about eight months in jail. So they gave me a lot of credit uh, for time served. And then the sentence was only it was 90 days to to, uh, I guess, straighten my act up is what they want to do to you. Yes. And they it's called shock probation because they they throw you in the den of the lions and it's supposed to scare you bad enough that you don't want to go back or you're not going to be an offender anymore. And so I, I finished the, that obviously successfully and then they probated the rest of my sentence. Yeah, they what do they do, man? They they suspend they 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 give you a they give you some time, they suspend the rest of it and if you and if you get in trouble again, then the rest of that, you know, they're going to come trying to collect the rest of that, uh, that debt. <laughs> right. In for, in the form of your, your precious freedom. Yeah. So you, you completed that, you, uh, you got out and that doesn't sound like it was the end. It, it was just the beginning. <laughs> it was just the beginning. Sadly. Uh, I didn't learn my lesson. The one thing that I, I pulled away from boot camp or from, from that prison sentence is, um, I, it's gonna. It's almost gonna be in like an oxymoron, but I learned to respect my elders a little bit more. Whereas before, I didn't care how I addressed them. Now everything was yes, sir, yes, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am, and and I ha- I didn't have that in me before. It didn't make a difference though because I was still out being a criminal. Oh, I know that way too well. I, I wasn't done at all when I got out of prison. I still had I still had work to do. <laughs> Fun, <laughs> funny enough to say, you know what I mean. But I mean that's how I looked at it. It's like there's still some things that you know, some criminality that I know that I got in me that I need to to get out, and things that I know because I know that I can do. I just need to figure out how to do them. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> you're not you're not you're not telling me anything. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, you get out, you're still doing all this stuff. Uh so introduction to harder drugs uh make an appearance. Absolutely. By the time I, I came out, I remember when I got home, I, I remember walking to uh my back right back to the street that I grew up on where everybody else still was living. And I was really just a block over and then one block up. And when I came to, walking down the street, everybody was still doing the same thing. And, and it was like, like, hell yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm still back in time. Nothing's changed. And, and, and let's do this. And that's because I was on probation. They, I was still under supervision of the, of, uh, of the city or whatever. And it, it was, it was just the beginning because now I had a reputation. I was the first one of, of our group that, that really went away. And and saw the inside of the penitentiary, yeah, you got and, some and I had credibility. You got some yeah, stripes. I did. I I earned them. And and I and being young back in those days, I I wore them with pride. And and uh, and so then the the next things came started um, coming in. And then now it was uh, breaking and entering of of a habitat, which is a felony in the state of Texas, uh, and can give you uh, can get you a life sentence. If, if you're caught doing that, because now you're jeopardizing the lives of, of people. And uh, uh, so we started doing that. And with that came the big prizes, guns, jewelry, cash. Back in those days, CD players were the in thing. 
And uh, we were able to sell all this stuff. And and what do criminals do when you get money, easy money? You go out and you just start with beer money, mm-hmm. drug money. Yep. That's what we did. Strip club money. If you were old enough, I was only 17 or 18. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's crazy, man. Um, yeah, I've never... So when I, when I was doing my, my stuff and having people, like I was having people do it for me. Um, you know, I, I just, I had, uh, figured out that, you know, the, the guys that like to slam drugs are willing to do pretty much anything for it and that I could exploit them and have them do all my dirty work for me. And, uh, you know, I had, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, I, I paid them, you know, they were going to do it at some point or, or, you know, do it for somebody or somewhere. So, I mean, I was like, well, why not me? You know, why not, you know, and, and I paid for it because the, the, that's the one thing that the, the judge said to me, she goes, uh, pro, uh, pro, pro and probation recommended, uh, 15 to, I think, what was it? No, 12, 12 to, uh, 30. 12 to 30 months on a first offense for me, a first felony. And the, the judge was like, Oh no, 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 sir. You will be doing 15 to 60 months. Uh, you did not only did you not, you weren't selling a dime bag. You were selling ounces, 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 and you were a predator. Meaning that like, we know what you were doing. You, you know, you're trying to say that you were a drug addict, which I was, Absolutely. Uh, you know, but I just happened to be on a level higher than the other drug addicts that I was around, you know, having, you know, and yeah, I, I was exploiting them. So, you know, but still, I mean, it was like, oh man, are you serious? And I, and then, and then that was supposed to be, uh, run concurrent with my, my federal sentence or my, you know, I was supposed to be released to the federal system. And then, uh, my state time was supposed to run concurrent to it. And they screwed me somehow and I ended up having to do all my, my state time and then parole out to the federal system and do that time. So they had it running wild. So yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So, I mean, what did you, you know, what, what was the turning point for you that you decided to, you know, Hey, I'm, 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 you know, this is it. I'm tired of this. I mean, what, what was it for you that did it? Well, one of the first turning points, cause there's, when you've lived it as long as I have, Sadly, there's a few turning points, but there's one that's ultimate. And the first one was the birth of my son. And uh, I was 20 years old. And obviously that, you know, that instills a little bit of fear in you, especially when you don't have anything going for you. And now you have a son or a baby, a child in this world, and and you have to be its provider. So I hustled my way into work and uh, I, I, I couldn't get a job, man. I, I lied my way into getting a dishwasher position. That's how, that's how it, that's how bad I had it personally. I had to lie to get a dishwashing position at a new pizza restaurant here in town. And then from there, six months later, my, I guess my, my ability to lead it, it surfaced and, and they six or seven months later, they, gave me the keys to the, to the unit and said, you're now the GM of this store. And <laughs> little did I know like two or three months later, it was going bankrupt, but Hey, I took that title and I ran with it. And there's a, a popular nationwide pizza chain that I helped bring into San Antonio after that. And I stayed with them for a number of years. 
And I really stayed at the restaurant level, but I opened a lot of restaurants. In the meantime, I, I would default back to my old ways. I, I never could break away from it. The more money I was making, the less I had to go out and steal for it. <laughs> and so, but I was still using the money for the same things. Yeah. And, and, and I would take care of what I had to take care of as far as my son goes, but my extra money, I, I never built a bird's nest. I, I screwed it off. Yeah. And then, uh, other turning points, my daughter came around, uh, a year and a half later and, and then health issues. And then, uh, until recently, and, and it's, it's sad, it's, it's super sad, but it's who I am. I can't help it. Uh, I got, I just celebrated uh, my fifth wedding anniversary and it wouldn't have even been this far if my wife didn't tell me, you need to cut your shit out, man, uh-huh. because I will fucking divorce you. And that night that she told me that I had just, I'm not going to lie to you. I had just scored an eight ball and I flushed it down the toilet, man. And I emptied out all my beer that I had just gotten. And I just, and I quit. That was the night that I quit five years clean and sober, man. And, and just like that on the drop of a dime, because I don't, I didn't want to hindsight tells me I didn't want to die alone. And I, I, I love my wife and I loved her then, but it was, a lot of poor judgment going on still. What? It's risk versus reward. You yeah. know, you, you talked about it in, in, in the episode. I listened to you. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, it's what it boils down to. Cause that's how we think. Right. And, mm-hmm. and when you don't have, when you don't have a lot to lose, you don't, it's not a big deal. It's like, yeah, well, what's going to, what's the worst thing happen? I can go to jail. Okay. Well, that's not a big deal. I'm not afraid of that anymore. I've been there, <laughs> you know, and it's so it, the, it, 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 it and on it goes, and, uh, you know, and I, I know that all too well. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's cool that your, you, your, your wife was the, you know, the reward that you weren't really willing to risk anymore. You know, you'd made this life for yourself. You, you know, apparently, you know, you got, uh, some good work experience from, from the one job at being a GM and, you know, you were able to, to turn that into something else, into a bigger, a, a bigger thing that you've accomplished, which, you know, is helping your self-esteem, right? You're right. Yeah. You know, and making you think that, oh, okay, well maybe I am employable. Maybe I can be a productive member of society. And it, it takes all these little things, these little victories, I call them, uh, to help build you, uh, you know, into a new person, you know? I totally believe that, man. And it and it was it, it was small victories, just the slightest things. Um, I read a book one time called The One Minute Manager, and it's a fantastic book. If there's anybody that's listening to you, that that comes to listen to the show, because I know you'll have plenty. Uh, the One Minute Manager taught me how to manage not only in the restaurant business, but also, it also taught me how to uh, manage life situations. And and how to uh, take one small victory at a time. So you got five years sober, uh, clean off of everything, right? Are you in the program at all? Are you in a AANA, or are you just kind of just I'm, I went, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, I I have a very very strong will. If I if I didn't want to, if I didn't care for her, if I had one ounce of of you know what, I don't give a fuck what you say. I would. I would have still, I would still be doing it. I would still be doing my, I'd be up to my old shenanigans. Um, but I've, I've, I've never struggled 
quitting habits. I've, I've been a smoker since I was 11. I don't smoke anymore, by the way, but I had started smoking when I was about 11 years old. And then when I w- it was time for me to quit or I felt like I needed to quit, it was no big deal. I, I, you know, cold turkey, yeah, no problem. It's just, to me, it's just, you know, it's your will. Plus, you got to uh, keep yourself occupied. The more occupied you are, the less your mind's going to think about these things. And then you just go forward. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Um, you know, you get some uh, distraction, you know, to keep you to, from thinking about stuff like that. Uh, so where was your what was your mom at during all of this? I mean, you know, because I know that mine, I put my mom through through hell, man. Like every time every every, every corner I turned is an, is a, was more drama that I'm putting her through, you know, more money that she's having to shell out more. Uh, you know, you name it, man. I, I, I drug this woman through the, through the mud, man, you know, trying to, trying to get me, you know, and she never gave up, never gave up. That's, that's what, a, that's the definition of a, of a mother because a, a, a good mom doesn't quit on her kids. And, and I did the same thing to my mother. I drug her through the mud, through the desert, to the Arizona deserts with cactus and all that. I put her through the mill. And, and I remember a lot that she would tell me, man, like she would, when I caused her so much strife, so much strife. And, and she would always tell me when I would come home, I could hear her closing her door. And, and the next morning, the next day that I would talk to her, she would tell me, I'm glad that you made it home safe. I couldn't sleep at night. And I believe her because she was waiting for me to get home. But as soon as she knew I was getting ready to walk in the door, she tiptoed her way back to her room and went, and that's when she was able to, to rest. On the flip side of that, every time that I wound up in jail, and I say every time in that manner because, ma'am, I have a rap sheet. That's not a joke. But every time I wound up in jail and I would, she would get that collect phone call, she almost felt relieved in a way um, because she never knew what it's like inside the county jail. It's, it's horrible. Um, it's, there's just a lot, you know, that you got to deal with the Mexican mafia and all that stuff down here. I'm not sure about other parts of the country, but in in San Antonio, it's, it's a big thing and it's very ugly, but I never told her about those things. I never wanted her to worry. And so when she would get that collect phone call, she kind of felt relieved. Like, okay, good. I know that you have a a place to sleep and I know that you got three meals coming and I know I'm going to get to sleep tonight. So yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so it, it it was it was hard on her man and i put her through a lot i i i always tell her you know when we i go visit her um we we talk and every and it's kind of funny because every time i go over there's always a new story to tell and she'll look at me like i'm crazy like you never told me that <laughs> I'm like, yeah i forgot <laughs> but it's just one more thing mom you know and now it's not a big deal because i'm i'm in a far better place now than I've ever been in my life. And, you know, we, we've endured it together, but there was a lot of, uh, it was just a lot of strife, man. I used to steal from my, my dad, my stepdad. He was a plumber, a master plumber. And when we didn't have money to party, me and the boys, I, I'd freaking go back home, man. I, I was out on the streets because he told my mother, Hey, either he goes or I go. That's how much I was. That's how horrible I was. And I didn't even give my mom the opportunity to have to make that decision. I just said, you know what, mom, I'll, I'll leave. I'll take off. I was uh, 16 when it happened. 
And so I was out in the street sleeping from friend's house to friend's house. And one friend more than, than, than most. Um, but when me and the boys didn't have drinking money, when we our, our week wasn't successful in breaking and entering, and we couldn't make money that way, then I would revert to my, my stepdad's work truck. And I'd go in there and I'd steal all sorts of tools, craftsman tools. Back then they were worth money. Yeah. Uh, power tools. And I we'd sell them on the streets or we'd pawn them. And, and I remember my mom just in the shadows of a patio that we had. I knew she was there. She called my name. Yeah, man, that's tough. I'm, I'm getting, I want to tear up right now just thinking about it. No, I'm with you, man. I almost did. I almost did earlier. Uh, you know, cause you just, what I, what I think about is, is like, and I'm, and, and I'm, and I've learned and, and, and I'm learning this too, as I'm, as I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I have a three-year-old, so I'm like really at the beginning of, of being a father and knowing, you know, that, that, that unconditional love, man, that, that, that thing that, that you just, you just can't explain it until you, until you have one of your own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, my mom's getting up there in age and uh, I'm not looking forward to that one, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's tough, man. You know, uh, I'll tell you this one, one time when I was being, unfaithful to my kids mom i have three kids they're all from the same woman and when i was being unfaithful to her i would go off to work and then i i was a player man i always had been and i'd always be out with different women after work and i wouldn't come home till late she was a good woman in the in the sense that she didn't she knew what was going on she wasn't a dummy but she never said anything to me she just she just kept it under her pillow and I came home from work, well, from partying all night. It was probably about 5.30 in the morning on a weekday. And I remember getting undressed, and I couldn't even stand up straight. I had to lean on the wall to take my clothes off. And I saw a drawing that my son had made. He was just a little boy at the time. And it was a, a, some kind of a, a hieroglyph, whatever those Egyptian hieroglyphs or whatever they're called. Hiero. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he drew it with his arm sticking out, commanding somebody to leave. And I was looking at it and he drew like a little bubble, like a cloud bubble with words in it, but he didn't know how to spell. So he just left it blank. And I asked my, his mom, what is this? And she was like, that's Isaac's. He drew that for you. He's telling you to leave. Uh. So it was, uh. It was it was a killer, man. Uh, I ended up we ended up divorcing shortly after that, but not because of that. Yeah, That's just yeah. where it was headed, and uh, it, it's tough, man. Unconditional love. I love my kids, man. I, I have a great relationship with my son now. He's in the Navy, by the way. I have to give him a little bit of props for that. Oh, right on, right on. He's in the Navy, and I have two daughters that uh, they've got their education going. And, so what are you doing now? Like, what are you doing for, uh, what do you do for work? Uh, are you still in the restaurant business, uh, or are you doing something else? And you, you know, you started the podcast probably for a lot of the same reasons that I started mine. Um, you know, you just, you, you got a story, uh, and you want people to hear it and maybe you can help somebody out there who's struggling, uh, you know, maybe out wherever, man. It, I mean, it really, you know, you don't really, you don't really think about how far your reach goes when you have these things until people actually start reaching out to you. 
you know, has that happened yet? Not yet. Um, I, I'm very new. I'm, I'm pretty much like you. I, I'm self-taught. I, I, I use audacity and I didn't know the first thing about using it. I didn't know the first thing about editing and I'm still learning into some of my episodes. It's real choppy. My editing, I don't know when to take time out of the, the gaps, like uh, edit uh, dead space and stuff. So I'm, I'm learning a lot, um, but I'll, I'm going to get there. And I know that I will. And I'm working on another project that actually is going to take me into the prison system. And I'm going to talk and I, I have interviews lined up and I'm, I'm hoping it's a, it's a success, more successful than the one I'm on now. But uh, I haven't reached anybody yet, but I know that it's it's going to. And if I don't reach any listeners, I know that I'm at least reaching these these inmates in Texas prisons. And and if I can be their voice for a little bit, just because it, I, I've been there, you've been there. Yeah, yeah. You you kind of feel like the world forgets about you, and as long as you're you have a heartbeat. It matters. I don't care what anybody thinks. If it, 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 it's, it takes a toll on your psyche. And if it didn't, the people that spend a lot of time in solitary confinement, they will be the first to tell you that, yes, being alone takes a toll. And so I want to be the voice for some of these people. I, I just, I don't know what I want to say. I don't even know the goal of that project. I know that I want to get a good story out. I know that I want listeners. I'm not putting on any monetization on any of them. Any of them. I don't want to make money. Yeah. And, and, well, I mean, it's at some point, I mean, the, you got to keep the lights on, you know, you know, I, I know at least for me, you know, there's certain things that, that will elevate this, you know, cause I don't have a website yet because that costs money and that's a recurring, you know, bill. Uh, I don't, I don't even, I don't even looked into it yet. Uh, you know, but at some point it's going to have to happen. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping in, you know, that I hit at least, you know, 10,000 or at least a thousand listeners to where I can throw on something to, to absorb some of the cost. I mean, I'm not trying to get rich out here. I'm just, uh, you know, trying to provide a service to people that, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm reaching, uh, uh, with my message and, 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 you know, kind of let people know, you know, Cause I talk about some stuff that a lot of people probably wouldn't talk about, you know, some things that, you know, like stuff you do as when you're a kid, you know, things that you might be ashamed of and that's normal, you know, and maybe it's not, not normal for everybody, but I mean, it's a normal kind of a thing. You know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really shy about what I talk about. And, 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 well, and I think that you, you can't be because I think that's what makes your show stand out from a lot of others because it, 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 a lot of other shows, they, they're focused on one topic that might branch out a little bit, but it's still tied right to that main focus. Yeah. And I think that yours, it's like, it, it, it's spread out. Yeah. And, and any episode that you put out, it's, it could, it's, it's listenable. People, anybody that clicks on your link is apt to enjoying your show. I appreciate that, man. I, I, you know, I just try to, I try to have conversations with people, you know, uh, it's just getting to know people and, you know, I'll express how I relate to them, you know, cause there, there's some people I relate a lot to their, their situation or, you know, something that they've gone through or, you know, some piece of, of, you know, a tidbit of wisdom I can, I can add to it. 
um, you know, from my experiences and really that's just really all it's about. It's just, you know, trying to, trying to have an exchange with, with somebody I don't know and bring value to other people. And, and, you know, it's really what the gist of it is. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've, I'm just, I'm lucky, uh, you know, that I've, I, a lot of the things that I got involved in and how heavily I used the drugs that the drugs didn't do me, uh, you know, cause I've seen a lot of people on the other end of that where they, you know, have done as much as I have and, and they're, they're, they don't, they don't it, it took a toll on them, man. And, uh, and, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to escape with, with the little, you know, still having my mind intact and, and, uh, you know, we're, I'm still, you know, me and, and, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, I guess people that, that don't know this lifestyle and it doesn't have to be the, the criminal like lifestyle on my end or, or perhaps on your end, but just the, the lifestyle of getting involved in drugs and how fast they can consume you. My drug of choice was cocaine. Yeah. And and there was nights that I felt I could feel my heart just it was wanting to pound out of my chest. And I can remember laying down and just praying to God, God, just don't I don't want to die. Not to not like this. Just yeah, didn't get, yeah. get let me get through this and I won't ever do it again. You, you know, you, you don't you, you don't you don't make those promises to God, you know, you're not gonna keep them. And I, and I would keep on, but you look really good for, I guess, for the, for what you're telling me. And I have to say, you asked me right now and I didn't fully answer it. What I do now, I'm, I'm retired medically. I I'm a disabled man and it's because my heart is destroyed. Oh yeah. From, uh, from what year are we in? We're in freaking 2020. So probably 2000 eight maybe i had a quadruple bypass surgery i felt weird didn't feel any pain i just i felt weird and at the time i asked my wife i asked my wife at that time is what i'm trying to say take me to the doctor because i i i I don't think i'm going to be able to go into work and i know they're going to ask me for a doctor's note Uh, so take me to the er and so she took me to the er it was late it was in the evening already and the doctor came back and said, Hey, um, you need to call your mother or your loved ones and let them know that you're going into, you're going to have a, you're going into open heart surgery tomorrow morning at seven o'clock. Oh yeah. And I was like, let me tell you, it doesn't make sense to you when you hear that. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't even equate. You just, you hear it. But it by the time it sinks in, wow. the doctor's not even in front of you anymore. Yeah, he's so already he's already like, down to the next guy, and you're like, "Whoa, yeah. what did you just say to me?" I'm yeah. what? <laughs> so I did. I called my mother, and I told her, "I was like, Mom, hey, I'm at the hospital, and the doctor said that I'm going to have a quadruple bypass tomorrow." I swear, I almost heard her hit the floor. Probably oh. the, the the only thing that saved her was probably the couch. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, she. She almost passed out. Yeah, man. And, uh, that's just, you know, that that's that's what drugs did to me. It scarred my heart so bad. Drugs and then diabetes. Uh, I didn't take care of myself, man. Yeah, yeah. And that those two are, are bad, super bad for the heart. And and I've had 
two more heart attacks since then. Wow, man. So I'm just like, and one of them was at work. I was working for um, a place called Alamo Draft House. And uh, it's a theater with a restaurant incorporated kind of into it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they had me in training in Austin, Texas. And uh, it was a six-week training. At the end of my third week, uh, my wife would come up there and, and she'd visit me on the weekends. And at the end of the third week, you know, she came spend night with me. We woke up the next morning. We went climbing this mountain or a hill, maybe. I don't know. We don't really have mountains per se in South Texas, but uh, I couldn't make it, man. I was like every five steps up these stairs, I was, I was like, babe, wait for me. Hold on. I can't breathe. I, I just thought it was too steep, the atmosphere or something, the pressure. And by the time we got to the top, it took me 30 minutes to catch my breath. And uh, I felt my chest a little tight, but I didn't correlate it with having a heart attack. And the next morning I woke up ready for work and I I was pale. I looked like crap. And I, I walked in. I, I wanted to call in because my work ethic, regardless of, of anything over the years, was always go to work. I never missed a day of work ever. And I would work 110, 120 hours a week. And, and, uh, so I went to work and I, I didn't want to call in cause I didn't want them to say, Oh, this guy's in training and he's already calling in yeah, and yeah. you know, he's not going to work out. No, I much rather would have let them see the condition I was in and say, Hey, you look horrible. Why don't you go to the doctor? Which is exactly what happened. Lucky for me, there was a, like a, the equivalent to a, uh, an urgent care kind of facility in the same parking lot. And they're like, there's something going on with you. Uh, we don't have the machine or we don't have the testing here. So we're going to transfer you to a, a medical, uh, a medical uh, school and they'll be able to run the test. And I was in the middle of a heart attack. Oh man. Yeah. Crazy. But that's what drugs did to me, man. It, it took its toll. I wasn't as lucky as, as some people uh, can be, but it took its toll on me. Yeah. They're, 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 they're rough, man. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I never, like it's not even a thought anymore. Uh, I don't even think about using meth or, or even uh, there were, there were, there was one point, there was one point in time where, you know, there was a situation where like I started, I, I started thinking about it and I'm like, you know, nobody would know. And there's that little oh, devil, man. There's man. that devil right there. There's, you know, nobody would know, <clears throat> you know, I could just, you know, I know this chick and I know she probably has some and I can just invite her over and, you know, uh, I, I could probably get high with her and, and I'll, nobody would know. And I was just like, I, it's a, I, I really had to talk myself out of it. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, 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 that's, you can't do that. You can't do that. And then finally I had to, I, I, I literally, I got rid of this person's number. Uh, you know what I mean? Cause it was, I would always think about it. And, uh, yeah, so once I got rid of her number, it was, I, I didn't think about it ever again after that. Um, but man, imagine if, imagine if, uh, that did happen, man. It just, all it takes is that one time, man, and you're off and, run, off and running like again, that. man. That's it. And it's over. <sighs> the, I had to, I had to do the same thing. I had a friend that I had made, I was working at a construction site and I was pushing a little bit of cocaine, just enough to make enough. So that I can supply my own habit. Yeah, yeah. And um, I met his brother. That's how I met my friend. He ended up becoming my really good friend for a long time. And 
and he was also selling and we didn't want to bump heads. So we joined forces. That's how we became good friends. And for at least 11 years, at least 11 years, we, we partied together all the time. I mean, our, I'm not, I don't want to brag, but just to give you the idea, a line of cocaine for us was about a $40. It was like 40 bucks every time we did a line. About a finger? Exactly. Just, <laughs> about, it, about a finger's worth? <laughs> yes. And, and, it, and, and uh, it was just, it was horrible. But when Ooh. my wife made me that ultimatum, cut your shit out or I'm going to effing divorce you. I did what I had to do that night. And then the next day, I had to, I had to delete my, that guy's number from my phone. Cause I never memorized it. We don't memorize numbers nowadays. R- rarely. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but I deleted his number from, uh, from my phone and then I blocked him on Facebook and I asked my, my younger brother to block him. Cause he was friends with the family 11 or 12 years being best friends. Yeah. You yeah. know, he was at the house even on holidays. So I asked my family members, please just block him on Facebook. He's no good. You know, I didn't want to have anything to do with him. Yeah. And and so I had to do it, man. And and there's been there was one time, just like you said, that I was like, man. <laughs> you know, I, I went out and and when I go out with my wife, she'll she'll drink, and I might have a coke or a glass of ice water. Once in a while, I might have me a beer, maybe, maybe. And that one night that I decided to have a beer, the atmosphere where we were drinking at was electric. It wasn't even a club. It was just a good atmosphere. And it brought back so many memories. And I was, I was like, man, I even texted him, dude. I was like, bro, because I got his number because my wife stayed friends with his wife on Facebook. Uh-huh. And I was like, bro, I need a call up so-and-so, man. I tell him to meet me over here. And he never responded. Uh, <laughs> it was the best thing probably that happened to me because I have a very addictive personality. And had yeah. he responded, it could have been disastrous. You never know. Yeah. No, no, no. I know exactly what you're talking about, man. <laughs> uh, the mind's, the mind's crazy. It, 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 it plays tricks on you, man. It, it tries to put you in situations, especially when it knows that you want something. And uh, you just, you know, knowing your triggers, man, is huge. And anybody out there that doesn't understand what we're talking about, uh, you know, there are triggers, man, because not all them times were bad. I had a lot of good times when I was out there doing what I was doing, man. And uh, I had a lot of fun experiences. And, you know, yeah, I almost died, you know, three or four or five times. Uh, OD, you know, a few times, uh, you know, but those, the, the good times far outweighed the bad. You, you know, but you know, the, the damage that it caused in my wake, because you know, when you're out there just doing, doing you running and gunning and, and, uh, you know, it's like nobody else's, everybody else is like a second thought. People were just, uh, more of, uh, 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 pawns in my game. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, I could, you can serve this purpose and all right, you, you serve this purpose and I could use you for this and I could use you for that. It's like, I always, I always had something, something going on. You know what I mean? The game was going on in my head, but nobody else knew that they were a part of it. <laughs> I, I understand. That's part of, uh, the, the, I guess the, that's the underworld life. Yep. That's what me and my, our circle was small. We didn't allow just anybody. This was already aside from the guys that I had grown up with. 
this is a best friend that I met outside of that group. Yeah. And uh, our circle was small. And actually I was part of his circle and, and we would, I mean, again, I'm not bragging, but just to give your listeners the scope of, of, of my, my history, you know, we go uh, jack people. We were the muscle for some of these cartels. Um, we, <laughs> we did a lot of bad things, man. You know, a lot of uh, shootings and stuff, but yeah, don't, luckily don't, nobody don't get, ever died because of that. Yeah. Don't, don't get too far in that. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no, nobody ever died because of it. But I'm, the thing is, it, it's, it's like you said, people are pawns. And, and the, the crappy thing is that it, when you start, this is when I knew I had a problem is when I would get my, my stuff and I didn't want to be around anybody anymore. As soon as I made the transaction, I was ready to go home. I was like, <laughs> Hey, do you know what? I'll see you later, bro. Hey, I'll catch up with you tomorrow <laughs> and just go home to my square, my four walls and just be by myself. Yeah. You're like, like Hey, Hey, I got some windows to look out, man. I got, I'll, I'll catch y'all later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Peeping. That's crazy. And man, oh my God. <laughs> I know that, man. Oh man. I, those days, I don't miss those days, man. I certainly, I, I certainly don't, uh, you know, but I mean, anybody out there that knows what we're talking about knows exactly what we're talking about. And we can laugh about it now because it's, you know, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you, brother, because I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, and well, unfortunate, fortunately for, for people, they don't have to go through this. A lot of them. Um, you know, uh, like I always say, man, all, everything that I've been through, I was never a victim of anything, man. I, 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 I inflicted every, everything that I've gone through has been self-inflicted because of the choices that I made, um, mm-hmm. and, and where I put myself, um, you know, and it, and it was a long road and it sounds like, you know, you had the same sort of thing, man. It's just like every turn is like some fucking, some, what drama is, is he in now? You know, exactly. well, you know, it's, it's good that, you know, I'm happy that you got your, you, your shit together and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're fighting a good fight, man. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry to hear about the, the, you know, the struggles you're having with your health. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's probably gotta be kind of scary for you right now considering, you know, the Corona, right? Absolutely. And, and the thing is my wife returns to work. Well, actually, they just, uh, for San Antonio, they just extended the quarantine another, uh, I don't know, till the 19th of May or something, something like that, yeah. where she was getting ready to return this coming Monday. And uh, she's going back to a, a car manu. I don't want to say the name of the maker, but it's a car manufacturing plant. Uh, uh, and uh, there's no, we don't know how those employees quarantined. They could have been reckless and careless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they could have been the ideal quarantiner like myself. I mean, I stayed. I, first of all, the quarantine didn't affect me because I've been disabled for the past two years. I don't I don't go out anywhere. I just I stay home. Yeah. And and so it didn't really affect me that much. But my wife adhered to the to the guidelines because of that reason. Because she didn't want to risk picking up the the virus, even though she's healthy uh, and she could probably live through it. She didn't want to risk my health, my yeah. life. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good. You know, 
Yeah, we we got extended to the thirty first, so June first, and I I was saying this a long time ago. I knew it was it was going to be you know something like that. Uh, you know, it it just it, you you know you know my if you listen to my my podcast, you know what my feelings are about all of this stuff and and you know how I how against the government I am, but. <clears throat> Well, you know, I, I tell you, the, the episode that I, I really and I I absolutely was intrigued by it, and it's the one that I questioned you about, the gentleman that was trying to uh, alternate, um, he was trying to redo the dialysis equipment. Yeah, 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 the inventor. turned those into uh, blood, guess, blood, like, blood oxygenation uh, yeah. units. Yeah, I thought that was a great episode. I just... I mean, I'm I'm all for it, man. Whatever it takes to to make America safe again. Yep, make America <laughs> safe again, man. That, that that's what that should be the slogan: make America be, safe man. again. You know, and it's safe from safe from the government. You know, that's that's who the <laughs> that's that that that's who the real criminals are. You know, that's absolutely right, man. You know, and, and if you're out there and you support the government, that that's great. More power to you, man. But uh, you know. <laughs> You should really, really, really take a look at what's happening right now, and and uh, you know, and and all of these things, and you know, it. The people got to come to the come to that themselves. You know, I, I can say I can show you all of the proof, and put it right in front of you, and 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 spell it out. And if you and if you if you're not willing to receive it, it's not going to do do a damn bit of good. You know, so I, I I hope some things change, man. In the in the the justice system, in in just the system in general, man, it needs an overhaul. It really does. It, it and you know the thing that gets me is the documentaries on like Netflix, the ones that cover uh, wrong like uh, wrongful incarcerations. Um, man, those get under my skin. Like you can't believe, like I cannot stand prosecutors. Mm. I can't stand them. They, they just, it's all about numbers for them. And they are the most powerful person at the, at the city level and maybe even state level because what they say goes and to prove them wrong, it's, it's not going to happen. Rarely, rarely anyway. Well, I mean, just look at it. You got, you have a, uh, they both work in the same building, the DA and the and the public defender. You know, they go to lunch together. They, they you know what I mean? It's it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, how am I going to get a fair trial when your conviction rate, your your federal funding is is a direct reflection of your conviction rate? So you, there's no reason for you to want to know what the truth is or even get to the bottom of the truth. You, you, they do whatever they can to even get, not even have to go to that level. They, you know what I mean? They starve your ass while you're inside there. You're, you know, you're in a, you know, they, they jack up the price of a, of a top ramen noodle. You, you know what I mean? It's like, dude, you're, you're literally, I, I felt like, like, man, like what a motherfucker would do for a goddamn noodle, you know? Yeah. You know people fighting for for soup, you for top ramens. It's like it's so crazy, and uh, you know it, it's done on purpose. That's it, it's coercion <laughs> at its most basic level. 
You know, we're going to we're going to starve you. We're going to jack up the price of food. If you can't afford it, then, you know, we're going to make it so miserable for you that you just take whatever we are willing to throw at you. Yeah, and I, at that point, you don't even have a say so. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 guilty. Get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so their conviction rate stays high and they and they get that funding, you know, and it's really it's it's the. Uh, let's not start. Yeah, that's why they call it politics, man. <laughs> It's it's a it's a sour sour thing to swallow, man. I mean, there's politics in prison too. It's just different kind, you know. Different it, kinds, you know. One that you, I probably could excel at, but I don't. I'm not willing to put it to the test. I didn't even want it, man. I I I was so uh, just because of my size, the way that I look, man. I was a perfect. I was a perfect candidate for for the gangbangers and and, and the paisas. You know, they, they wanted me to roll with them too. And I, you know, and I, I'm, I'm part Hispanic, but I was like, you know what? Screw that. I'm not, I knew better. So when I went in, I was like, no, 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 I'm white. Uh, I'm Italian. I'm Italian. <laughs> Italian I, I remember listening to that. That was, that kind of gave me a good chuckle. You know what I mean? Cause I didn't want to be somebody's torpedo, man. Fuck that. I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not here to do, to catch more, another case. <laughs> I'm trying to get out of here. I don't even belong here. <laughs> yeah that's it's crazy it's 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 a different world man it's yeah it's it's a sad place but you know what like i said in the beginning i don't regret any decisions i've made it's it's brought me to this point in my life where i'm at now and i am in a a truly truly happy place right now that's good man I'm glad that things are working out for you and, uh, you changed your shit around and, and, uh, you know, you're able to, you know, enjoy your family, enjoy your, your children, uh, you know, get a chance to watch them grow up and, and, and hopefully, you know, not give them the life that you didn't have, but tell them and, and, and teach them the things that you wish you'd known more than anything. That's what we need to be doing as parents these days. And, you know, stop worrying about, oh, I'm going to give my kid everything I didn't have. So your kid will, there, there'll be plenty of things that they, that they can find, you know, at some point in their life when they're able to buy that stuff for themselves. Show them the things that you wish you had known, man. There's tons of stuff that you wish you would know, you wish you would have known, you know, it's like, and it's, it's called wisdom. Yeah. Teach them your wisdom, man. Teach them, teach them, you know, if you have a daughter, you know, I'm definitely going to warn her about dudes like me for sure, <laughs> you know, because you know, little, little boys will tell you anything they want to do to get you get in your pants, man. And, uh, you know, you have to, you have to guard that thing. It's gold. <laughs> when my daughter, when my daughter, oldest daughter was a baby, I used to tell her, I'm going to cut your hair. I'm going to be your barber. Yeah. And I, I would tell her, I would get the bowl and put it on her head. And be like, I'm gonna cut your hair like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her mom, her mom is not gonna like you know my 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 style of parenting because I'm just gonna be I'm break it down to her. Hey, look, man, check this out. This is the real shit here. Real talk here, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, you know, I got I, I I got I will have every conversation about anything with with my kid. You know, because uh, I never got them conversations. The ones, the really important ones. You know, that's true, man. I, I had. When my this well, this might be TMI, but when my daughter went through that next level, the coming of age, you know, the time of the month thing, oh. it happened when she came to visit me because by this time we were divorced, me and her mom, and it happened when she came came over to visit me for the weekend, and we were gonna go somewhere, and I'm like, 
hurry up, you know, and her name, I don't want to say her name, but yeah, I yeah. was like, hurry up. And she didn't want to come out of the restroom. I had no clue, man. No clue. <laughs> and then she, at the time I was married to another woman. And, and uh, so she came to check on her. And so she opened up to her and she was like, she came to me and said, Hey, she's not going to be able to go because we're not going anywhere. Cause yeah, you need, you need to started. go, you need to go to the store. <laughs> you need to go to the store. And uh, so that, that's, and that was the time when I was not afraid to go buy those kinds of products for, yeah, especially yeah. like for my wife now. Um, but especially for my daughter, when I would have her and she needed them. Um, when my son came to me, Hey dad, I need a condom. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you need a condom. Okay. You know what? I'm just glad that you're asking. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, what more could you want, man, you know, to have a relationship with your kids where they feel comfortable enough where they can come to you with that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And so you can possibly, you know, have a conversation about it, but okay, this is what you're going to do. What's up? You know, what's going on? <laughs> you know, do you need any pointers? Do you need any, you know, do you, ask the questions, man. I, I got answers for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. But you know, our, our life story helps us in in so many ways and i'm glad that's why i don't regret I, I don't regret my my decisions that i've made in life because i'm able to to uh translate that into teachings yeah for my, yeah. my son my son was he started trying to get involved in gang activity and the one day he came home from school and he had a he had a brown bandana hanging out of his back pocket and walked right across between me and the television and i was like hey <laughs> what the f is that and he's like what i was like what's that hanging out of your back pocket he's like oh it's my bandana i was like give me that shit right now man and i freaking took it away and i burned it and i was like you're trying to pull this over my eyes i said don't forget that i'm from the streets man yeah yeah you're not gonna pull you're not gonna come home with brown or any color like i put an end to that real quick dude like yeah. it was not even that that shit stopped and i'm glad that i did i'm glad that i was present in his life at that time where I set him straight because like I said, now he's serving in the United States Navy and, um, yeah. Imagine I mean, if I couldn't, couldn't have been prouder. Yeah. Imagine if you, you know, you had been in prison and you know what I mean? He didn't have that. And that could have been, you know, you could have been, that could have been turned into all kinds of, of bad situations. He was, he was as old as I was when I started and it was, I was at a vulnerable age, uh, and and I I was able to intervene, and it was just that's that's just the 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 life that he was supposed to have, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, shit, man. Uh, we're in about an hour five right now, so go ahead and plug any of your your podcasts anywhere people can find you if they need uh, you know if, if they resonate with anything that you've been talking about or, or we've been talking about, and uh, you want to reach out to uh, to Joe, man. Uh, go ahead and plug your stuff. Well, the the one thing I do want to I, I want to plug somebody else more than 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 just myself and and his name is Chris Dunham D U N H A M and I want to give him props for giving me for making me the artwork on my new Facebook page uh and it's called uh Talk from Cell Block and then that's going to be my new project where I start talking to prisoners to inmates and um uh, he's going to be doing a lot of my artwork and if anybody wants uh to get in touch with him for, for, uh, artwork. Uh, he does, uh, uh, audio editing and podcast consulting. Um, you can, you can reach him at, I have it written down here. You can reach him at 
C.R. Dunham, that's spelled D-U-N-H-A-M 82 at gmail.com. He's a good guy. And, and that's really the only thing I want to say, man, because in that, I put the name of my Facebook page, Talk From Cell Block. And that's the project that I want. I would really like for people to. All right. Did you? Did you uh did you check out the episode that I had the uh the guys from prison in there uh, talking from a contraband cell phone? I you know what that's the one that hooked me. <laughs> that's the episode that hooked me, man. Because I was like, how in the hell? I was like, this this isn't real. <laughs> this isn't, he can't get. He's not talking to the white from prison. But then I was like, well, you know what? This is freaking legit, man. Yeah, dude, I was just as surprised as you when when the dude reached out, you know, and and was like, hey. And, uh, so here, here's the story behind that. All right. So, you know, I'm, I'm, a the moderator for the podcast group, right. Or one of the admins for it. Uh-huh. And so every time somebody, you know, wants to join, I have to go and, and okay, did you answer all the questions? And then, you know, yes, approve or, or deny. Uh, and so I'll go in and I'll friend request every single one of them. If they'll allow me, you know what I mean? Just to build up my thing. And I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're, you're in my, you're the people I want to, you know, podcasters and podcast listeners. That's kind of like my people. You're my people. So I want to have you as friends. Uh, and so he had clicked onto my, my profile after I friend requested him to see, you know, who's his friend requesting me. And he started looking through my, my thing and he seen the, the one with the cello player. Uh, and uh, what's her name? Emily Ann. And the dude used to be, a uh, uh, he used to play cello in, in school in, in elementary wow. school. And so he started listening to it. And then I guess he had heard like, you know, me prison, some, something that, that sparked that, you know, I was in prison and he went and started doing a little bit more research and he's like, Oh man, you know, can I, and then he reached out to me and I'm like, he has a podcast, you know, they're doing a podcast from that with that cell phone. <laughs> Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, man, what are the odds? Man? How, how, and so, you know, I knew that they, they were getting cell phones into, into it, but I mean, like, how do you, I don't know. I just, it was just kind of a trip. And so I, I felt like, like that was pretty cool to be able to capture that and, and to actually be able to, like, if you ever want to talk to any of them or, or whatever, just let me know. I'll see if I can arrange oh, dude, it. I will definitely take you up on that offer because. I'm trying to get some some interviews going with these um, with this next project, and I've actually uh, I have an Instagram account that I, I'm I'm posting letters from these people, and I have a very interesting uh, uh, episode that I'm going to work on, but it's going to take way more time than I expected, only because she her case is now in the hands of the Texas uh, Innocence Project. Okay, there, there's a chance that she's going to be released, or that she could get released. And there's a good chance that they're going to, she's going to be on Netflix. And so she's like, yeah, you know, if you want to talk to me, I don't mind telling you my entire story, but you need to get in touch with my lawyer first and then, you know, take it from there. So I'm going to respect her and I'm not going to, I'm not going to push the envelope with her anymore, but I am going to write back to her and I'm going to tell her, Hey, if things pan out for you and you get out, I want your first interview. I, I want to be your first, the first person that interviews you. But uh, I am reaching out to a lot of people, and it's mainly people that are doing life sentences yeah. or, or have been uh, condemned to death um, without parole, life without parole. That I, it touches home. I have a nephew that's doing a, a life sentence in a Texas prison right now, and you know, talking about wrongful convictions. You know, I think that's probably why I have that passion. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, man, keep it up. 
you know, whatever it is that you're doing, if you need any help or anything, just let me know. I sure will. Always, always happy to, uh, to lend a hand and, and, uh, you know, give, give my, you know, any, in any of it, you know, if you, if it happens to be technical or uh, audacity, you know, that that's what I use too, you know. But anyways, yeah, man, I want to appreciate, uh, to let you know, I appreciate your time and, and coming and hanging out with me, all the support that you throw my way, you know, in these groups and, and, uh, shout outs and all that stuff that you do for me, man. I really appreciate it. Not a problem, man. It was my pleasure to be on, on your show. And I look forward to, to all the other episodes that you're going to be putting out. And I'll shout out to you every chance I get, brother. Every uh-huh. chance I get. All right, Joe, man, you have a good night and a good weekend and stay safe out there, man. Okay, my brother, you too. All right, brother. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue-collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.